Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I just want to point out, I was like, what you going to thank God for, for this group? The first thing I do, I thank God that he's gracious. And I know sometimes as believers, we can look at those that are messing up and kind of want them to get it. I want God to get them. God, get them. Make them do right. Teach them a lesson. And the heart of Paul, Paul, you know what I am? I'm so, I thank God. When I think of you guys, how messed up y'all are, he don't say that, but that's what we know when we read the rest. I thank God for his grace towards you guys. Have you ever thanked God for his grace towards some carnal, messed up Christian in your life? The Apostle Paul wrote the book of 1 Corinthians to a group of believers who were messing up big time, yet he thanked God for their faithfulness. As Pastor Bill shares in today's message, it's easy to see the failures of others and want them to suffer. However, by God's grace, they are forgiven and you must do the same. So instead of holding judgment against those who are not walking the path of righteousness, thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace and love toward all sinners. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Before we jump right in, I wanted to give an introduction to the book. Um, I usually don't give a lengthy introduction, but uh, I want us to have the background. So we, as when we jump in, you're going to be like, whoa, like, man, Paul is like, he's going at him. But I want you to understand why that's the case, you know, who he's speaking to and all that. So 1 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. Um, it's, it's, it's spoken throughout the letter. We know from the very opening that he wrote it. Um, it's written specifically to the church of Corinth. But if you look at verse two, it adds to the church of Corinth and to others that name the name of Christ. And it, then it says um, to 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 all that are called to be saints with all who in every place call the name of the Lord Jesus. So we know that it's not this letter goes beyond just that group at that time that it, it extends beyond to us. And so so we can look at the teachings here and we wouldn't say, well, no, that's just for them. Uh, there'll be things that are taught in here that we're to take from and learn from as well. Uh, so it's written to the Corinthians, but it's also for us. We can take from it a little bit about the Corinthians so that you can understand the strong. It's going to be, you know, a lot of correction in the first six chapters of the book. So this is what we have about the Corinthians. One, this is what they were known for in their day. Uh, they were known for their sexual immorality. This is the Corinthian church. This is not just the area of Corinth. The Corinthian church was known for their sexual immorality. They were known for their division. They were known for what we call hero worship, elevating their leaders um, and worshiping their leaders. I'm a Paul. I'm a Apollos. I'm a this guy. We're going to see that in this chapter. Um, putting leaders where they need to have Jesus at. They were, they were guilty of that. They were known for taking their legal battles to the courts in front of non-believers. So imagine in a church like this that we were known for taking one another to court. You know, me and Carlos getting to a beef and he, you know, he's suing me. And then the other, I mean, just, just ugliness. With This is within the church. This is what the church is known for. All this is going to be corrected in the, in the letter. Marital issues. This was a church that was very, very spiritually gifted. And at the very same time, super carnal. So much so that their spiritual giftedness was muted by their carnality. So they were a group that we'll see in this chapter here that they didn't lack at all in the way of spiritual gifts, but they were just super carnal. And that was an issue. The book breaks down into two sections in chapters one through six. Paul's going to be really addressing a lot of the issues. So we'll deal with a lot of the sin issues and problems that come up. 
Uh, thankfully, we, t- we changed gears and in uh, chapters 7 through 16, we'll get more into some of the corrective and some of the answers and what we need to do. Some important topics of study that come up later in the book. Uh, chapter 11, we, we get the most extensive teaching on the Lord's Supper or communion, how that's to be taken, how we're to do that within the church because they were doing it wrong. They were getting drunk and overeaten at communion. We get 1 Corinthians 13 on love. Again, it's maybe the clearest thing on the Bible. You might say, what does the Bible say about love? Most people just say 1 Corinthians 13, read that. You know, it really lays that out very clearly. Deals with the spiritual gifts very clearly. And so I usually tell people, man, if if you're struggling with the spiritual gifts, read 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. You know, read it all together and, and you get a real good far as the or the, the, the audible gifts and how they're used in the church. Chapter 15, we get a very extensive teaching on not just the gospel, but the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of the believer. Uh, that we're all looking to be resurrected. And in chapter 16, uh, we, we learn about the collection of the saints, uh, how we how we're to participate in giving um, as believers. And that's that's discussed there at the end of the letter. This letter was from Paul to the Corinthians. I'm sorry, there was a letter that was written from Paul to the Corinthians before 1 Corinthians. And we see in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 that he, he mentions, there's a, there, he had written to them previously, but for whatever reason, that letter is not in the canon of scripture. So God didn't have that. It wasn't something we all needed, but Paul had previously written to them. And now he's wrote 1 Corinthians as a response to the concerns he's continuing to hear. A little bit about ancient Corinth, uh, where they were. It's in southern Greece. It was a trade, had trade routes. It was a, it was used for international commerce and it became known. That whole area became known for their idolatry and immorality. They worshiped many different gods and they were a very immoral culture that there was a saying at that time. If you saw a woman or a person that was very immoral, they would say they've been Corinthianized. And so I was trying to think what, where do we, what areas do we have today that are like, they're just known for sin and darkness. Vegas, everybody just said they, they call it Sin City. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas because they people know they're going to do some dirt when they go to Vegas. So stay away, you know. So, um, but that's kind of Corinthian had that kind of flavor to it, where it was like, man, that that you you like you came from Corinth, you know, just it was a a vile, it was an immoral place. The problem with the Corinthian church, it wasn't that they were in an immoral area; it was that the immorality had gotten into the church. God wants good churches. In the midst of great darkness, that's where we belong. That's where the that's where that's where the work is going to take place. That God would place people that know Him in the midst of darkness and sin and immorality, so that we could win people to the Lord. That's a good thing. But when the carnality and immorality of the world begins to seep in, then that's bad. And that's what happened in the Corinthian church. That they were no longer having an impact. They were now being impacted by the world in which they were living. So with that. Let's jump in. First Corinthians chapter one, verse one, one through three. Paul gives his greeting to them, says Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. Paul opens up his letter here as he would many times, letting them know that I am this Paul. I'm called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will through the will of God why does he have to do that because Paul was always being challenged on his authority 
Paul is the one of the apostles that didn't. He wasn't there with Jesus. He wasn't one of the 12. He wasn't like Peter and James and John and Matthew and those guys that actually walked with Jesus. Paul got saved after Christ had died and resurrected. But Paul is unique in that God, Christ came to him post-resurrection on the road to Damascus. And Paul was born again. And so he had had an interaction with the living Christ. He had received the gospel directly from Jesus Christ. Therefore, that's where the idea of apostolic authority, these men, they, they had received the message of the gospel from God, from Jesus himself. And so when they spoke, they spoke with what we would call apostolic authority. This isn't hearsay. This hasn't been passed down through the ranks. These guys got direct connect. They heard it straight from Jesus, apostolic authority, and then they were sent out. So Paul is the one apostle who, after the 12, you know, was was sent out in that way. But he was often challenged. One of the reasons Paul was challenged is because what, what did Paul do before he got saved? He persecuted the church. So imagine that you're part of the church here. Right. And, you know, you know, Paul is jailed your cousin over in, in Ephesus. And he, he was there when Stephen was stoned to death and, and just left that stain, the first martyr of the church. And he people threw their jackets at Paul's feet as, as they stoned him to death. And you hear these things that. Just a vile, wicked man. And then you hear all of a sudden he's saying he saved. Uh-huh. I bet he saved. You know, that was the attitude of the church. When Paul first said he was saved, Barnabas had to take him and say, guys, it's okay. He's really saved. Barnabas, son of encouragement, had to take Paul and say, I'm vouching for him. He's legit. Like, it's God did a work, you know. But everybody wasn't receiving that. And so Paul would go someplace where even the church was like, yeah, yeah. Apostle how? You know? God met you on the road to the, mm -hmm, yeah, you know, just he had a hard time. And so he would open up his letters, always was being challenged, always his authority was saying, look, I'm Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. I didn't choose this. God did this. God chose it. And and that's why he opens up in that way. It says he's with this guy, Sosthenes. You could see him in Acts 18, verse 17. At that time, he was a, a ruler in the temple or the synagogue and he was beaten it looks like he had come to Christ and now is with Paul rolling out. If it's the same, you know, if it's the same Sosthenes, I can't confirm it or deny it, but it looks like that's the case. Now, verse two, he says to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, who in every place call on the, on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So again, as he opens here, he says, hey, this is to the church, which is at Corinth. And I want you to notice these two different phrases. He says, the church is at Corinth. And it says, then to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. There's a church that's located in Corinth. But the goal is that we would find ourselves in Christ Jesus. There, there's a church there. There's a location and there's a group that gathers and is the church of that area. That They're there. That's the place. That's the location. But so the church is at Corinth to those who are sanctified, set apart for God. In Christ Jesus. That's our goal is that we would be set apart by God. This is the cool thing that you're going to find. If you're here and you're struggling in your walk with the Lord, maybe you're here and you would be classified as a carnal believer. You believe, but you're carnal. That's what's going to be addressed a lot in this letter. That group say, believe, but carnal. It's going to be dealt with here because that's not what that is not what the Lord wants. The, Paul saw that. Man, um, imagine, you know, and I, I was trying to figure out how do I explain this? How do I liken this to something that that we can touch and see? Anybody here ever known an athlete that you saw that this, this guy has 
just crazy potential. But he had some behavioral issue that just just didn't let him ever get to be anything. I've actually known guys, they just were gifted. You know, they were gifted. I knew a guy that in ninth grade, he had calves like Popeye, could dunk. Never could, never was on the basketball team. Never made the team. Never had the grades to be on the team. Same thing, was fast, could run, but never could be on the football team. Never had to, by the time, you know, the first grades rolled out, it was done. It was over. And it went all that way straight through high school. And I, you watch a, a person that probably could have, they had natural ability. You know, if they had worked on it, they could have done something. It's like, man, it just got wasted. Spiritually speaking, Paul is looking at Corinth and saying, man, they, they and the, on the one hand, they're excelling in the spiritual gifts. I mean, this, this church is they're gifted. They got gifts. They're into the gifts. But they're so stinking carnal that it just it's just killing them. They're, they're useless. All those gifts are null and void because of their carnality. That's what some believers can be like. Man, they are saved. They believe. And there's gifts. There's things that God has placed in there that would be so useful, so helpful, so powerful. But they're so carnal that it just it's like they have nothing. It's like nothing ever happened. So Paul is addressing that. He's not addressing it to put them down either. This isn't a letter from Paul saying, I want to make you feel really bad about your carnality. Paul saying, man, I really want to, I'm really begging you to the other side. I'm really begging you to come out of that, that we might see God do all that he wants to do through you. That we might see your purpose fulfilled, that we might see Corinth impacted by the church of God in Corinth. If you guys get it together. So know that too, that God never beats us down or exposes failure, flaws, or weakness just to expose us. God's always exposing that he might bring it to the surface and deal with it and, and renew us and revive us Amen. in him. And so even as Paul lays out, he's going to open up the letter. And it's kind of cool. It reminded me of Jesus's letters to the seven churches. If there was anything positive that could be said, he always said it first. He always started off with, you know, before I come down on you, before I give you the negative to the church of Ephesus, he said, you know what, guys? Let me give you this. You guys, you guys have works. You guys have patience. You guys have, you guys have, you know, you, you don't deal with false teachers. I mean, you guys got some great things going on. Kudos. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. And he, he brings up the issue he's got to deal with. Almost what Paul does here. Paul in the first, you know, verses four through nine, he says, I got some positives. I, I see everything. I don't just see the negative. Let me tell you the positives I see. And then once he gets done from then on, he got a gang of negatives. So, uh, but he's fair. It's like, hey, I want to tell you the part I see that's good. And I just would throw that out to us. That's a probably a good way if we got to confront people. Sometimes we confront people, we polarize the negative. And so they may be a great person and they may do 20 things awesome. But that one thing that's getting on your nerves, that's all they ever hear you talk about. Never hear a commendation for the positives. We should be careful about that with our kids. Um, anybody that you're close enough to and like to critique or give counsel or whatever, be careful about only ever discussing the negative if they're positive to be seen. Uh, I think especially with our kids, you know, we can fuss at our kids and, and see the, the kinks and, you know, really talk about those things, but make sure that you're also commending them uh, in the areas that are commendable, letting them know that, you know, hey, I, I see the good things that are happening too. So anyway, back here, that, that's what Paul is doing in this first little section here. So again, verse two to the church of God at Corinth, those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. And that's what God's called us to be. Sanctified means to be set apart for God. God, those that are set apart for God in, in Christ Jesus called to be saints. Um, saints aren't just like the Catholic church has, you know, St. Peter, St. Paul, St. This. That's not every Christian could be called a saint. You know, I'd be St. Bill. Don't have to call me that, but you'll be saint and whatever your name is called to be saints. We're called to be believers, Christians with all 
who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. That's how come we know the letter goes beyond core, all that are named in the name of Jesus Christ. And I would just state, we're going to see it later in the chapter, that we would have a vision of the church of Jesus that's obviously bigger than our little gathering here, that's bigger than the name of our particular church or denomination, but that we would recognize that people that believe in Jesus everywhere is family. They're the body of Christ. They're, they're our brothers, and they may do it a little different. They may do some things that we don't do or not do some things that we do or whatever, but we just have to have that mindset. Sometimes Christians can be really, I go witnessing sometimes, and you'll meet somebody, and it's like, Oh, I go to, they'll tell you that I go to first church, not, not first church, but you know, whatever church, they just name a church. I go to this church and on 21st in Vermont, Reverend, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm, I love Jesus too. You know, it's like, it's almost like church banging, like, like, bam, I bang back on you with my church. So be careful of like holding Christ like that. He's so much bigger than us and our little, our little gatherings and our little things, you know, these are important, but he's so much bigger than that. That we have to just understand that I, I got whenever I see people, I see people in Starbucks with a Bible out. I approach them like, hey, I'm like, hey, what you guys? I, I saw a group the other day sitting there as a group of guys into being a Lutheran church from Westchester. And I walked over and I say, hey, I saw you guys with your Bibles out. You know, I'm, I'm a Christian. So I, I figured y'all are family. So I came to say what's up. And the guy said, oh, yeah, I'm a pastor over here at the, you know, we changed numbers. And he was talking to some young men that he's discipling or whatever. And we talked for a few minutes. And it's like, all right, I don't know what all they do, but I know they believe Jesus Christ is God. And he died for our sins, rose from the grave. And I got to treat them like family. That's family. You know, we didn't sit there and have a debate over, you know, whatever. Uh, it was we family. So just understand that, that God wants us walking in that, that kind of love, that kind of understanding of his church. It's not my church, your church. Our church is his church. And we're blessed to be a part of it. Amen? Amen. So we want to hold it like that. So it's written to everybody, to the church of Corinth, but to people that name Christ everywhere. There's instruction here for all of us. Verse three, Paul's typical greeting, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's interesting that the grace always comes before the peace. And it's not until we can really receive and understand the grace of God that we can enjoy the peace of God, that God has given me what I don't deserve. Undeserved, unmerited favor from God upon my life. It's how I got saved. How come I can continue to walk with the Lord? God's unmerited favor. As I understand grace, I walk in peace. I'm at peace, right? I didn't earn it, right? You know the most stressful thing in the world? As I was even studying with the guys, the Jehovah's Witnesses, that's stressful. Like I'm working really, really hard, hoping for, for a place, maybe, you know, and, you know, they, they think heaven filled up at 144,000. So they're they're hoping for an opportunity to be one of the one of those that gets to be on the, the paradise on earth, not even heaven. And that's it. And they're working really hard to get to attain that. And when you see them out there, we talked about this as a guy. Some guys will look at you. Man, Jehovah's Witnesses put us to shame. Look at how hard they're going for the Lord because they're, they're trying to earn their salvation. You know, I mean, if, if we were earning it, I think we would be different, you know, but it wouldn't glorify God. Right. God's like, I want you to know it's grace. Amen. I want you to know I, you didn't do anything for this. You can't earn it. You just receive it. But as you receive it, there's there's a great peace in knowing that if I didn't do anything to earn it, can I do anything to lose it? I just got it. It's a gift. What do you do with a gift? Thank you. You become you become a praiser. You become a thankful individual. And then your service 
Be motivated out of your thanksgiving for what God has done for you that you didn't deserve. You won't be working in order to attain favor with God. You'll be working because, man, God is so good to me. If I, I'm glad to do anything in his name and for him, but I'm not doing it so that he will. Whatever do we do in service, we're doing it because God has already done. Amen. And so grace to you and then peace. Shalom, the peace of God, peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And just that phrase, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people think that's his name. The Lord, that's his title. That's what he is. Jesus, that's his name. And Christ, that was his mission. He came to be the Messiah. So you got his, his title, his name, and his mission. The Lord Jesus Christ. Some people look at that whole thing. That's just, like it's his name. It's, there are different pieces to that. So the Lord title, the name Jesus, the mission, Christ, Messiah, came to rescue us. Look at verse four now. Verses four through nine, Paul speaks to them about some of the positives that he sees. He says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. That was interesting to me because I've been reading through the whole book and I know all the junk that he's about to say. But Paul says, and he's not lying. He says this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to this carnal group of believers that he's got to write this whole bunch of corrections to. He says, you know what I do? I thank my God always concerning you. And he says, not for y'all, for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Paul said, when I, when I look at y'all mess ups, I thank God for his grace for you guys. I thank God that you don't have to earn it because y'all wouldn't make it, you know. And I think Paul is looking at them saying, as I look at this really messed up group, I am so thankful that God is gracious. I'm so thankful for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ for you guys. And I just want to point out, I was like, what's he going to thank God for, for this group? The first thing I do, I thank God that he's gracious. And I know sometimes as believers, we can look at those that are messing up and kind of want them to get it. I want God to get them. God, get them. Make them do right. Teach them a lesson. And the heart of Paul, Paul, you know what I am? I'm so, I thank God when I think of you guys, how messed up you are. He don't say that, but that's what we know when we read the rest. I thank God that for his grace towards you guys, that he's gracious. Have you ever thanked God for his grace towards some carnal, messed up Christian in your life? Just a thought. Paul does. Paul's like, I thank God that he's gracious because I'm looking at what you are and I know that he needs, his grace is needed. And most of y'all can look in the mirror and be thankful that God is gracious too. So we forget about it when it's us, but you know, we, we, we thank God for his grace toward us too. Verse five, he continues that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and knowledge and all knowledge. So Paul recognizes that you guys have been enriched by God and, and gifts. When he talks uttering, he's speaking of some of the gifts, the, the Corinthian church, there's going to be a lot of correction that goes out. They were very into the, the audible gifts. Tongues and prophecies and those things. And how, how Paul later on, how is it that when you, all you guys come together, everybody has a tongue and everybody have a prophecy, everybody have a word? He said, Man, look, he put some restrictions on there. He said, Look, one or two at the most. If you're going to speak in a tongue, do it with an interpreter. You know, if you're going to prophesy, you know, this many, that's it. He said, Everybody got something they want to say and share. And what ends up happening is it becomes about them. You know, you come together, it's like, I got a word, I got a word, forget about her word, my word. And, and it becomes a card. The gifts are being functioned in a way that's carnal. So it's interesting in the section that deals with gifts, chapter 12 and chapter 14, sandwiched in between those two chapters is this thing on love. 
where he says, it doesn't matter if you have the gift, whatever gift, you speak with the, the tongues of men and angels. If you have not love, you are just a clanging symbol, making noise but doing nothing. And you're making annoying noise because symbols are annoying noise if you ever heard them. So anyway, that's what Paul gets to that later on. But he says here, you guys are gifted. That you guys of all utterance and all knowledge, verse 6, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short, so acknowledging, I know you guys are saved, the testimony of Christ is confirmed among you guys, His is so that you come short in no gift. You guys don't come short in any area of gifts. You guys got it. Gifts, no, no shortness in the gifts. And then he says this, eagerly waiting for the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there, and so he felt compelled to write a direct letter to address the things that were happening among the believers there. The things he wrote about showed that there were problems in the church then, just like there are issues in churches today. Even among believers, there are real sin issues that can derail an entire church if those areas aren't dealt with. Are there areas in your life today that you know need to be addressed? If you need someone to talk to or to pray with, we're here and are ready to answer your call or text. Our number is 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We're so glad you tuned in to A Transforming Word. We'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday. And you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. There, you'll also be able to learn more about this ministry and listen to additional teachings from Pastor Bill. Again, that website is calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time as Pastor Bill continues to teach through 1 Corinthians. We look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word. Transforming Word.